Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. Hope you guys are doing well. It's time for the Monday show. I'm Andrew Musgrove, and today we're joined by a special guest, Damien Spellman from the PA, who has covered Newcastle United since 1999. So a little while, Damien. How are you doing? You well? I'm very well, thank you. It's actually 1997. So 1997. Yeah. I was trying to remember our conversation <laughs> at the Stadium of Light when I asked you how many... Uh, Darby's you'd covered, and I couldn't remember. You said 1999 or 1997, but that yeah. is even longer than I, than I than I thought it was. Absolutely. Well, of course, Sunderland were, were in the championship when I first started, so there wouldn't have been a Derby that year. But uh, yeah, yeah, 1997-98 was my first season. And things have uh, changed since then. It's obviously been uh, quite a few years since you did start covering the club. On this week's show, we're going to talk about potential exits of Kieran Trippier, Callum Wilson and Miguel Almiron. Is it a case of throwing sentiment out the window and uh, thinking only with your business head? Plus, we'll have a little chat about the season so far. Uh, let's get on with the show. Uh, Kieran Trippier to Bayern Munich, and that's where we're going to start. I was I was telling you off air that when I, I said to our colleague Aaron Stokes, who obviously isn't here with us today because of a technical issue, he hasn't skived off this week. There is a technical issue to why he can't be here, um, but he will be here later in the week. But I was saying to him, or rather he asked me, he said, what are we going to talk about on Monday? Because everything was so quiet. And I said, oh, well, maybe the club might confirm Joe Linton's injury. And he said, oh, that's it, goodness me, we're not going to have any listeners. As it turns out, the weekend has been rather dramatic and the transfer window has sparked into life, not the way we would have wanted from a new point of view of incomings, but potential outgoings and three names um, have been linked with an exit. Javier Manquilla has gone, but we will start with Kieran Trippett to Bayern Munich. And it's a very interesting one, isn't it? What is your initial thoughts on, on, on that story? Do you know what my initial thought on the whole thing is that there's a bit of opportunism going on here I think um, people have reacted and I mean other clubs have reacted to Darren Ailes comments the other week about you know every player having the price and I think people have tested the water here Um, I can understand why Bayern Munich would be interested in Kieran Trippier Um, I can understand why Kieran Trippier would be interested in that move if if he was Um, but I think it wouldn't make financial sense for Newcastle unless Bayern Munich were prepared to pay something stupid. And I, I, I use that word advisedly because I, I think the, the chief exec or the director of football has come out and said they will not do anything stupid. I think they would have to make Newcastle a sizable cash offer for that even to be considered um, because Kieran Trippier has been the standard bearer for, for what has happened at Newcastle over the last two and a half years or uh, whatever it is now. Um and, uh, you know, I think taking him out of the equation, yes, he's 33, and if you, you, you would, uh, if you got a sizable fee, that would all help towards uh, PSR, FFP, you would take his, his wages off the, off the bill ultimately. But in football terms and in terms of what he represents, both within the dressing room and uh, to, the, to the fan base, I, I can't see them doing business at this time, unless it's an offer, they can't refuse. What would that offer have to be, do you think? Because I tweeted out over the weekend that if it was silly money, I think it probably would make um, a, a good deal to get done. And someone came back and said, well, what is silly money? Because that's that's the main question, isn't it? Well, that's a really good point. I mean, he is 33, so, you know, with the best will in the world, he's not he's not got a five-year contract in him. Um, although, given the way the way he plays and never barely misses a game, he uh, perhaps he has. Um, but no, I mean, I think in reality, um, I think they would have to expect at least what they'd paid, if not a profit on that. Um, and and I think you know, just just on the the whole FFP thing in general, I think 
people are extrapolating from what Darren Eales has said. We don't know actually how close they are to that, that FFP limit. Um, and we don't know the level of urgency, if there is a, any urgency. I must admit, reading between the lines when we spoke to Darren a few weeks ago, my impression was that he was saying there may, there may come a time when we need to consider trading players. Or, or in fact, well, that, that is going to happen. You know, they will have to trade players at some point, but in specific terms of FFP. But I didn't get the impression he meant this month. Um, so I think that, that all factors in to any willingness or otherwise. And, and by the way, the suggestion is that Newcastle aren't interested in selling either Kieran Trippier or Callum Wilson this month. Um, that all factors into the decision. But, again, if there is an offer which makes them sit up and, you know, think, well, you never know. <laughs> mm, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, if the, the cash offer comes in into twenty twenty five million, then you'd be daft not to seriously consider it. And Absolutely. Look, we we understand Kieran Trippier isn't actively pushing for an exit from Newcastle United. You know, he returned from his holiday, but that was all scheduled, and they've taken up training ahead of Fulham this weekend. But you could understand why his head may be turned at the offer of Bayern Munich. You know, coming to the end of his career, there's one last chance to add uh, another medal to his hall play for one of the, the biggest clubs in you a club who I know aren't top of the league at the moment but they're pretty much guaranteed a trophy over the next couple of seasons uh, whatever it may be you know for someone like you in Trippier you, you know you would be tempted undoubtedly uh, and you could absolutely understand that in 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 football in terms of why he might want to do that um, there are a couple of caveats I would say firstly I think he has taken great pride in the role that he has been given at Newcastle in terms of being this this leader um, in the group and, as we were talking about before, a, a standard bearer. And I think he was, he was excited by the, the prospect of the project at Newcastle when he first came back. And I think that project has, has gone on in leaps and bounds. OK, the, the last few months there's been a little bit of a, a setback perhaps, but they were way ahead of schedule in what they were they were hoping to do over the five the initial five years I think the other caveat is he came back from Atletico Madrid for family reasons he wanted to be back in England he wanted to be back in the north of England now of course those reasons may have changed um, um, and he may be open he could be if if an offer came he could be open to to move into Germany and you would imagine seeing out his career there you would imagine it would be his his last long-term contract if that's what happened but I think that's that would be a huge decision for him um, you could you can see the pluses on both sides of it and it would be a huge blow for Newcastle yeah. for all the reasons you've mentioned there you know he is the leader he sets the example and he would just be a huge blow if he did go even despite the form of late you know I mean he was fantastic against uh, Manchester City he, he has had a, a rough couple of uh, months uh, I don't think anyone would, would, would argue uh, from that and, and maybe you know the form going into 2024 it's another reason he could be slightly tempted to think you know things haven't gone too well of late here maybe a fresh start to see out my career would be the, the right decision but we understand Eddie Howe when you cast United as you said at the start you know, they don't want to entertain this move whatsoever yeah. I mean I think we've got to remember these these lads are human beings and they're fallible, you know, and even somebody of Kieran Trippier's experience and talent is going to make mistakes. His misfortune was that he made two or three in the space of two or three games and key games. Now, 
he, he's the sort of person I remember him saying after I think it might have been the Everton it was either the Everton or the, the Chelsea game I remember him saying you've got to put it behind you and just get on with it and they they sound like truisms you know but a dozen sorry thousands of footballers have used the same expressions after similar instances but it, he sounds like the sort of person who does actually put that in the, into the background, forget about it, and just get on with it, trying to be the best you can be. And as you say, against Man City, I thought he was back to his, uh, very nearly his, his, his very best. If Bayern Munich offered ridiculous money, does the decision on Kieran Trippier, is it made a little bit easier knowing that you have pretty much a ready-made replacement for him in Tino Livermento? There is a, there is a safety net there. Uh, you would say that, Tino Livramento has not played a lot of football this season and he's not played a lot of football in recent seasons because of injury. Uh, but in terms of what he's offered on the pitch, yeah, he's been excellent. Um, I think both he and Eddie Howe would say that he, he has a lot to learn as a, a senior player. But in terms of the talent and the, the willingness to uh, take on the role he's been asked to do when he has played, he's been very, very good. So yes, absolutely, that, that would lessen the blow. But then, of course, you've got to find somebody to back up Tino Livramento. So there's a knock-on effect of, of all this. Um, and I think, you know, Eddie Howe's on record as saying that, like, like most big clubs, you want two 11s. Uh, and two 11s of, of comparable quality or, or as near comparable quality as you can get. And that costs money as well if you do uh, allow a player of Kieran Trippier's quality to leave. Um, you, you have to replace... Um, Livermento, you have to find a replacement for Livermento to step into his shoes. No, that's much easier said than it is done. And, and you mentioned there Callum Wilson and Atletico Madrid, um, a cheeky little loan bid from the Spanish side, and that was uh, thrown out as quickly as it landed on on the desk. But as, as you say, Damien, uh, clubs have, have seen what Darren Eels has said not too long ago, and they've seen that Newcastle maybe are in a bit of a, a difficult position when it comes to strengthening this window, and they are trying to to seize uh, the opportunity to take advantage of, of what they will perceive as a weakness in, in the market. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. And, and they'd be daft not to. And, you know, Newcastle would do and are trying to do exactly the, the same thing, I would imagine. They, you know, they, they certainly have done in the past. You um, you know, if, if if there's a player you think you can get, that's, you know, that's largely how Newcastle got Anthony Gordon. Um, you know, they, they knew that Everton needed needed to sell or needed to bring in money, um, and Anthony Gordon was was vulnerable because of that, and, and Newcastle got him, and, and that's turned out to be a great deal for them. But but yeah, it's it's not unusual for football clubs to to do that. But as as I say, I I'm not sure with perception and the reality in terms of PSR FFP are are quite as close as people are thinking. Um, there may be, but it's not the impression I'm I'm getting talking talking to people. We've got a, a question in the comments here from one of our regular uh, viewers, uh, Les, and she asks whether Eels' interview was a little bit ill-conceived. I, he was he was very open, he was very honest with what he said. Yeah. But yeah. in hindsight, looking back, do you think maybe he will have looked at it and thought, maybe I, I should have been a little bit more of a, a, a closed shop on, on the situation? What I will say in his defence was that he didn't, Say, we will need to sell players. Basically, it was the question was put to him: Does every player have his price? 
and he said correct I think was was exactly what he said so he wasn't putting out there yes we're going to have to sell somebody but he was asked you know is there a point where you may have to consider Sidder selling a Bruno Guimaraes uh, Alexander Isaac Sven Botman and he said and he, he talked around you know yes player trading is is something that you know, we're going to have to do and explain the reasons uh, for that um, but for most clubs for all but I was going to say for all but Manchester City maybe clubs have to do that um, but even Manchester City you know perhaps it's not so much their big players they sell but the Cole Palmers and people like that I know Pep talked about Oscar Bob after the Newcastle game said he's a player for us for many many years if he wants to stay and they, they've got the problem at the other end if they can't give their young talented players enough first team football they're going to go um, and then that, you know that obviously brings them money uh, that brings them money and Newcastle are slightly at the other end of the scale at um, you know they are vulnerable to to clubs with with more money, which seems a bizarre thing to say when people talk about them as the one of the richest club in the world, which we know they're not. Um, they are vulnerable to to clubs coming in and and taking their their players. But you, you look at other big clubs, you know, Ronaldo, um, you know, big big players like that have 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 gone elsewhere. When the when the clubs didn't particularly want to sell them, it's just football, isn't it? And it I know is. as as fans we have this romantic idea maybe of Kieran Trippier seeing out his career on tie side and then maybe taking up a coaching role, you know, in 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 the dressing room. But it doesn't work like that, does it? You know, and and there's been a lot of talk about loyalty. It was a lot of talk last week about if Newcastle don't get Europe uh, for next season, you know, people will still feel the players will remain loyal to the club. But their careers are short. If a good opportunity comes along, as this one has, and again, we're not saying Kieran Trippier fancies the move to, to Bayern Munich, but you can understand why players' heads are turned you know, at the, the talk of an improved wage pack or at the talk of European football, especially if your club can't offer it. That's just football. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. And and always has been. You know, you know, in, in, in the days day since Freedom of Contract came in, you know, you know, players, you know, can be more um uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They they can be more strategic in in terms of you know contract negotiations and things like that because they know there comes to a point where the club either has to stick or twist with them. But it works the other way as well. If if clubs want rid of a player, they just don't offer him a new contract. You know, it's it's loyalty on both on both sides, and, and that's that's the modern game. That's the way it is. And the other man linked with a move uh, come out this morning, Miguel Almiron linked to a move to Saudi. Arabia, and that one's probably gone down a little bit more favourably with some fans than uh, Trippier and, and Wilson. Uh, but again, it you know, Miggy's a big part of Eddie Howe's side. He's a big fan of him as Eddie Howe. Okay, he maybe doesn't score enough goals, create enough, but he's come on leaps and bounds under Eddie Howe. And I think the main point of that would be it's okay to sell him to Saudi Arabia for I don't know, 15, 20 million, but you're only left with, what, eight days of the window, nine days of the window left to find a replacement. And that probably also ties in to Kieran Trippier and Callum Wilson as well, that these decisions, if silly money was offered, would probably, again, be a little bit easier to say yes to if it was in the summer or if it had come at the start of the window when you have time to find a replacement. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hands up, I've got a soft spot for Miggy. I think 
I love his attitude. I love his enthusiasm and his industry. And I, I can't imagine there's a there's a I don't know the stats offhand, but I can't imagine there's another player who covers more ground at a higher speed than than Almiron does. And yes, you know there. Parts of his game still need improving, have improved markedly under Eddie Howe, but still need improving. But I think, as you say, he's a big part of the way Newcastle play and that high press that they like to play. And replacing him, particularly in January, uh, would would be a, a major issue. But I can't imagine if, as has been reported, and I've, I've seen this has, has been knocked down slightly, if they have agreed a fee... I can't believe that they don't have somebody lined up to replace him because I know, yes, you've got Jacob Murphy coming back, you've got Harvey Barnes coming back, although he plays on the other side. Um, but given given the injury list they've had and the lack of depth, lack of experience depth in the squad, I can't imagine that they would agree to any deal that didn't um, make way for somebody else, a like-for-like like replacement to come in. Yeah, especially given the fact that they've come in this window... And they had to add to the squad because of the injuries, the suspension to Denali. And, you know, they haven't been able to do that because of the FFP and, and what have you. To then lose a player like Miguel Almeida and whatever our listeners and viewers think about him. I know the majority aren't their biggest fans and I'm like you, Dim. I mean, I'm the self-professed uh, founder of the Miguel Almeida <laughs> fan club, so you can come and join us. Um, it's only you and I going out for the uh, for the pint at the end of it. But... Um, you know, you're right, and it's it, it's it's interesting. I think just looking at these stories, and I think this week has shown what happens um, when the eyes of the world are on you, or rather, last week rather, because you know you had a kind of a story every single day. You had the Joe Linton contract story. You had Mourinho getting sacked and inevitably getting linked to Newcastle, United. and then you've had all uh, the fallout here with Trippier and Wilson, and now Miguel Almiron. And it, it's been interesting to see the reaction on social media. You know, Newcastle are hoping to be, uh, you know, a big club, one of the biggest in the world. And this sort of thing where you're always in the news, it, it's it's just going to happen. And whether while it probably used to happen just at the local level, I think maybe there's still a bit of getting used to the fact that actually everybody's watching now because of, you know, the, the, the perceived that the club is the, the richest club in the world and what have you and the controversy that comes with that. It's been an interesting week for Newcastle fans. It has. But do you know what? It's a bit of a throwback to the, the first Kevin Keegan era and the Bobby Robson era when, when they were prominent and, and, and challenging for honours. And that's what happens, as you say, when you're a big club. There's never not a story, <laughs> whether positive or, or negative. And the, Newcastle went through a bit of the doldrums in the in the Ashley years where what stories there were were, were usually negative. Um, and, uh, you know... It, that, that it comes with the territory. It, it does come with the territory when you when you're playing European football. When you, uh, all right, they're not competing in the in the top four, top six where they want to be at the moment. But that's that's their ultimate aim. Um, um, you are you are in the spotlight, um, and these things happen. Look at you know look at all the stories PSG have. Mbappe is he staying or going? Sacking managers left, right, and centre. You look at Barcelona. You look at clubs like that. that. They are news. They are big news, and anything that you know any link uh, will will cause headlines. And I think agents are aware of that. So agents are quite happy to throw their players' names into into the mix uh, both ways. Um, it's it's just it's just how it is. 
Mm. <laughs> yeah, and it's been uh, interesting to see the, the change in direction since since the takeover. But yeah, just going back to kind of the, the Miggy Link and the Wilson Triple Link, it would be difficult to see them allowing any one of them to go. I say, given the fact that in an ideal world they'd be strengthening, you know, with two or three players, and not just to improve the team, but literally just because they need the extra bodies because of the injuries that hit them. Yeah, well, I wouldn't disagree with that. Certainly in football terms, yeah, you you could not. <coughs> excuse me, see them going into the second half of the season weaker on paper than they've they've gone into the January window. Um, but, again, business is business. And if they thought they could replace one of those players with a like-for-like player in a, in a deal, a good deal, and I think one, one of the elements of FFP is that if you... For, as it was explained to me, if, if you sell a player for £50 million and replace him with a £50 million player, in FFP terms, that's only £10 million a year over the five years of a, of a contract. So there's a massive help in that respect in FFP terms. So never say never on, on that front because I think they would, but I don't see them weakening the squad just to decrease the wage bill or, or try to ease FFP in this window. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's going to come to the point where Newcastle are going to have to make some big calls, not just on, on, on their so-called best players, but on players who the fans really like, the likes of Dan Byrne, Jacob Murphy, you know, maybe not in the summer, but in the, the January head, the summer after that, where really sentiment has to go out the window. And as you say, business is business. You know, Thank you for your service, but where we're going on this journey it's time to improve and strengthen the squad to another level and you know the fans and I'm a fan myself included you know there are going to be some difficult um, goodbyes uh, coming up in the not too distant future I would imagine oh well absolutely I mean if if you look that, but that's always happened if you look Peter Beardsley you know Chris Waddle Paul Gascoigne back in the day more recently you know Rob Lee people like Gary Speed left the club have been brilliant servants but ultimately there comes a point where you have to move on um, and not you know not everybody gets to go out in a blaze of glory as, as Kevin Keegan did as Alan Shearer did um, you know not everybody will retire not every Newcastle player will retire as as a Newcastle player. Um, so yeah, ultimately that's 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 how the football business works. Sadly, mm. um, David says if Mickey and Wilson go without placement, we'd have Murphy and Isaac to play every game from now until the end of the season, and that's on top of a midfield that probably has to play the most minutes due to injury. So. Uh, David, not a fan there of, of of letting either one go. He also adds that Mickey's underrated in his opinion. Uh, Workhorse and rarely gets injured, and on his day scores goals. Um, you know this is going to rumble on for the next um, in few days. But I mean, we we don't see Newcastle wanting to sell either Callum Wilson or, or Kieran Trippier. And actually, what we do probably see is them trying their best to, you know, if their heads have been turned, to persuade them that actually right now this is the place for them to be. I, oh, I'm, sh- I'm sure that's the case. I'm sure that's the case. And uh, you know, Ed, Eddie Howe has a very close relationship with his with his players, and, and particularly that leadership group. Uh, and I'm I'm sure the message to them is that the, the club wants to keep them. Absolutely. Um, and, and why wouldn't it be given the, the service they've they've given? Um, but I think there's also you know you have Dan Ashworth there at the, the top of the club, who is a very level-headed administrator 
uh, and but also has a you know a football brain if if you know what I mean. So I, I I'm I can't see that he would want to do anything that would would weaken the club in what's already been a difficult season for all the reasons we've we've talked about. Um, so I I think. I, I suspect within the corridors of St James's Park there'll be there'll be an element of calmness, but a preparedness to act if things change. Um, but the message we were getting before all this storm blew up was that the club wasn't expecting to do a great deal this month, and you know obviously the likes of Javier Manquillo and you know some of the fringe players, you know that, that you could imagine there might be movement there, and. I, I always got the impression that perhaps the most that might happen this month, certainly in terms of in, incoming, w- were loan deals. And, and I, I couldn't imagine the plan was to sell anyone, particularly a first-team player, you know, a, a, a regular first-team player. Mm. We've got a lot of people just making the point that actually at the moment Newcastle can't field a bench that can change a game. So allowing... Yeah. Either one of those two that we've mentioned to go this January would just seem absolutely ludicrous. Um, but on cue and Trippier, uh, people have said uh, Harrison Ashby could come back and be the, the understudy. You've got Emil Kraft as well. But, you know, is it much true, as much as someone like Emil Kraft yeah. is, is impressed when he has played, obviously coming back from injury. If you're talking about out-and-out ability, there's a big gap between Emil Kraft and and Kieran Trippier, so it's not as if it's a like-for-like like replacement in terms of the quality there. No, he's a different player. I mean, I think you would say Emil Kraft is an out-and-out defender uh, and has, has played as a central defender as well, um, whereas you would say Kieran Trippier is, a, is, is, is an attacking an attacking fullback. Now, as, as you say, uh, Emil Kraft has done very well when he's played, um, but yes, I think that, that would give a different aspect to the team if... if Emil Kraft was your um, was was your first choice left back, uh, but yeah, it, it, certainly if 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 you wanted to play, well, we we know Eddie Howe the way Eddie Howe likes to play, so you would imagine he would want to play Tino Livermento, a similar kind of player to Kieran Trippier. But yeah, you would you, what you would lose in in perhaps that attacking threat, you might gain as in greater defensive solidity, but. That that gives the team a slightly different shape, I would say. Yeah. Do you expect uh, on on Kieran Trippier by Munich to come back to the table and just try once more to, to maybe persuade Newcastle to cash in? Well, they're in need. They played they played a midfielder at, at uh, fullback at the weekend and and lost at home to Werder Bremen. Um, so they are looking, and they're not just looking at Kieran Trippier. Um, now, whether that suggests that they've given up on him. I don't. I don't know, um, but you wouldn't be surprised. But I, I, what I would guess is that the further we get towards the deadline, the less likely, less the likelihood is of, of Newcastle doing any business on on that front. I would mm. say. And they're also linked by into um, a PSG player as well as well as a few others. Um, so one suggesting there in the comments that Trippi has been used as a kind of a, a pawn in it all. So we'll we'll wait and see what happens on that. But certainly, at least this January, I, I would not like to see either Kieran Trippi or Callum Wilson go. Um, it's probably a conversation that you have a different answer for in the summer when there's a bit more time and, and some uh, funds to actually go out and, and, and buy players, essentially. Um, we've seen Javier Manquillo go. Um, 
I mean, you know, he hasn't been um, in and around the, the team of late. He's had injuries, but you know, the service that he that he that he gave Newcastle United, you know, considering as well, I remember once that Rafa Benitez kind of hung him out to dry as um, not the, the the first choice uh, right back that he wanted to sign. It's quite funny that he's actually rejoined up with Rafa mm, Benitez, mm. but um, a, a great servant for Newcastle United, and he goes with you know the club's best wishes over to Spain. Yeah, well, I think Manquillo's signing was sort of symptomatic of the club at the time. Rafa brought him in because. A, he was cheap, and B, he could play on both sides. So there was a versatility there. Um, and yeah, I, I think, you know, I think fans quite appreciated his, his commitment to the cause. And, you know, there were times when um, he didn't quite look the part, but then there were times when he, he, he did. He stood his corner and, and, and played well and, and contributed. Um, but I think you're right, the, the, you know, in the latter couple of years, He's he's not even really been back up for a lot of that time, given injuries and 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 what else. So I think that was a, a sensible and inevitable decision, in all honesty. But the, you know, he came in as a utility player and and did his job for the club. So I, I think for most fans, he would he would go with with their blessing. I would guess. And what does a sale like that do for Newcastle in terms of the the FFP and the, the sustainability rules? I mean, just literally clears. Uh, what is it, a relatively small amount, you would imagine, of a weekly wage or a yearly wage off the books? Yeah, well, it is all relative, you're right, but by our standards, it's a quite sizable <laughs> yes, chunk. Yes. But, but, but yes, it does, it helps It helps in that respect because they, I think that the overall ratio, uh, wages to turnover ratio for the club was something like 74% in the, in the latest figures and that, you know, that is higher than the club would like, I would, I would imagine. Um, um, so, so yes, that 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 would help, but uh, but of course, you you look at the size of the squad. I know Newcastle have got a couple of surplus players this year, um, and I suppose you want that tight twenty-five plus your your young players. So whether whether that makes room for another player to come in, I'm I'm not so sure because of the the surplus they had. But but yes, there, there is a, there is a, a a minor impact on FFP. Yes. And other than the, the three names that we've mentioned, the fourth as well being Mankiw, I mean, do you see anyone else potentially another fringe player going out this January or do you think it will be all quiet um, on the exit front? Well, I think that's difficult to say because of the injuries. You know, you know, somebody like Matt Ritchie is always in demand every transfer window and, you know, another great servant to the club. Um, but when you look at the bench at the moment... And as you say, there's very little to change a game. Matt Ritchie, as one of those, I know he's played most of his football as a wing back or a, a full back lately, for more recently for Newcastle. But as a midfielder, I suppose there's you know a, a man who can deliver a ball. You know there is a difference there. Um, but um, I think in the long term, people like Isaac Hayden and, and Matt Ritchie and, and people like that, you know the the future lies elsewhere. I I think. Um, but again, both of both the people I've mentioned there bring great great servants to the club as well. So um, the other name is Jamal Asel's uh, yeah. interest from success in, in in Turkey. I mean, personally, me speaking, I would love for him to get another contract, um, a short term deal, because I think he's been absolutely superb when he's had to come in and replace Botman. I don't think anyone expected him to to reach the levels he did, and on a consistent basis. We all think back to that PSG. Uh, victory. Uh, he was absolutely superb in that game, and you know you could name five, six, seven, other eight other games in which he was arguably had a shout for man of the match. 
again, given the injuries, you know, given that Botman's just come back from a long-term injury and you can never guarantee he's going to make it all the way through just because of the, you know, the players are, you know, susceptible to injuries. I wouldn't like to see him go this month. Um, do you think Newcastle might be tempted? I, I guess people would say, well, what would be the point? Because he's actually out of contract in the, the summer anyway. Do you not just keep him? And if you, even if you're not bothered about offering a new deal, you keep him as the player who you know can step into the first team should he be called upon? Well, I agree with you. I think he's been brilliant this season. And I think the remarkable thing is he became a better player not playing. I don't know how that works. It can only be hard work on the training pitch and, you know, both from him and, and the coach himself. Because I, I agree with you. I thought he was superb in that run he had um, in the European games. And for me, he played the best football he's played in a, in a Newcastle shirt. Because I think, had you said a year ago... Um, you know, if somebody had come in for Jamal ourselves, I don't think too many people would have would have argued with 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 him being allowed to leave. Um, but I think now you're absolutely right. Is is real competition for for Botman and and Share, uh, and you you wouldn't have said that a year ago at at all. Um, but no, he thoroughly deserved his place in the team to the point where Eddie Howe was able to nurse Sven Botman back in where. You know, a few months earlier, you might have said, "No, Botman needs to needs to start as soon as he can play thirty minutes. Get him on." Um, the only thing you would say about that is that Newcastle do have a bit of cover in respect that Dan Byrne could can play in there, um, Emil Kraft could play in there. So I could see why they might consider that. But I'm with you. I think. I think I would I would keep him this month certainly. Mm. I guess if it's a, a three, four, five billion pound bid, and you are going to let him go in the summer anyway, then maybe it would make sense to to get a bit of cash in and not lose him on a free. Um, we've got people uh, in the comments here dealing with a few questions. What Chris asking? Do you think the club's transfer strategy changed massively because we went out of Europe, or would it have always been this tight? Interesting, interesting. Um, I think Tonali is the big. The big issue there. Um, he he was the big signing for Europe, um, and of course he couldn't have played in the first game, didn't he? But but then was missing for the for the whole campaign. Um, I, I don't know. Is it? I I I think Newcastle gen, generally do not want to do business in January. Gordon was an opportunity last year, um, which they took, and that, that's worked out really well for them. Um, so I'm not sure it would have changed massively. I think Tenali, they, they have to replace him one way or another, whether that's with a loan, and I know people have talked about Calvin Phillips and, and that sort of thing. Um, but I don't particularly think they would make... I, I'm not convinced they're able to make a big money signing this month to replace him. Um, but I think that would have been the one thing they would perhaps have, have looked to do. Well, it's interesting because it's, it's the question anyhow really has been asked the most um, in, in recent weeks and I asked, I guess, Simon Bird about it last week that when Howe is asked about a number six and he, Tenari, to be fair, didn't really play in that position no, anyway, no. but it, it's it's clear or we all, or at least I, I'm not going to speak up, but when you look at Newcastle's uh, failures, it's, it is that gap between the midfield and the defence and I think they do need a number six to sit there and offer a bit more protection but anyhow doesn't and it's quite interesting do you think he's 
he's, he's not showing his hand because he doesn't want the rest of the, the, the footballing world to know that actually I really do think we need number six and therefore the price goes up because I know that's what you want. Or do you think he, he does believe that and he, he wants to strengthen elsewhere in the, in the squad? Well, what I would say is that it's worked, you know, for long periods without that six. But Howard has also said that when it hasn't worked in an attacking sense, that they need to get Bruno further up the pitch. Um, so, you know, I think the concern more recently has been defensively and the, the vulnerability there. Um, it's, it's getting that balance right. And I, and I think sometimes, because Newcastle like the press so high, if they don't get the coordination right, that's when they find themselves in problems. So I think he thinks it works if the the five who press, you know, are in sync. But if, if you play through that press, then they do find themselves vulnerable and that's when they look like they need they need a six. Um, so he doesn't think it's a tactical issue. He thinks it's a decision making issue. And I sort of understand that. But yeah, the the defensive part of me would like to see somebody sit in there, I must admit. And as you say, Calvin Phillips is the name that has been linked uh, for many, many months. But this week or over the weekend, it seems that like West Ham maybe stored the march in Newcastle. Reports that Man City won a £7 million loan fee, which is just ridiculous. <laughs> um, I can totally understand if Newcastle stepped back and gone, we're not paying that. Um, but you do wonder, and again, we've just spoken about what Eddie Howe says there, but you do wonder if you know the need for someone in the centre of the park do you just bite the bullet and just say do you know what yes it's astronomical but it's what we need we're running out of time here it's seven million pounds you'll not remember that fee in 10 years time let's just do the deal or, or do you think they're right to maybe say oh, we're there that's that's far too much well i would i would go slightly more laterally and think can they afford to do that it could be that as well um in terms of you know the, the spending restrictions um it does seem a lot of money when you you could you could buy. <laughs> I mean, all right, you're not going to get top quality for for seven million pounds, but um, yeah, it's it's crazy money. But again, that's that's the way the game has gone. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, I mean that's, that's that's the kind of decision that that Eddie Howe and Dan Ashworth and Darren Eels have have got to make, and it is a it is a balancing act. It's a huge balancing act on and off the field. You know, do you upset the balance of the team if you bring in somebody to sit there? You know, I, I go back 20-odd 20, 20 years, 30 years nearly. You know, when David Batty came in, some people thought Newcastle were less uh, attacking as a team. because When David Batty came in, they lost the, a bit of the vim and vigour. Um, and, I, I mean, I think David Batty was a very good defensive midfielder but it, it changed slightly it changed the emphasis within the team um, does that upset the balance of, of what Eddie Howe want, wants to do rather than strengthen strengthen the team I, I think it's a it's a really difficult uh, difficult question I think I've also been linked to uh, Amadou Inanna from Everton but he would be a, a big money sign I mean a fantastic player and one that you would think if Newcastle did have the, the budget to stretch that they would definitely um, look to, to get him through the door because he's been very impressive at Everton. He's a young man as well, so he's best years ahead of him. 
but again, it's just what Everton would ask for. And I know Everton are facing a, a bit of issues of, of of themselves. But again, given everything we know about Newcastle United, and you've just alluded to it there, I mean that would probably be um, uh, out of their budget this 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 January. You would think. I, I would think so. Yeah, I, I don't think there's a scope to do something like that without selling. selling. Yeah. So again, that's a big decision. But but also Everton, as you say, they're fighting for their lives on and off the pitch. Could they afford? Football in football terms, could they afford to lose an owner? I mean, financial terms, they may have to, but uh, there are so many variables in that on both sides. What do you think Eddie Howe's thinking right now? Because you look at the the squad and the players, and yes, taking the account of injuries and, and fatigue and what have you, but it's clear that it needs strengthening in in two, three, four positions at the very least, and yet he can't do anything like because the club are so stuck by these rules that the club just can't do what you know the owners probably want to do the manager knows they need to do and they're in a bad run as well in the league and you know he's he's in a really difficult position isn't he because the only remedy that he's got is is hoping that those players can come back from injury as soon as possible and then hit the ground running and that again is easier said than done it is it absolutely is um i think there were signs in the man city game that you know, they'd recover. I'm, I'm, I genuinely believe a lot of the problems over that period were um, down to fatigue. You know, when you play the same 10 players in four or five consecutive games, you could see they were running on empty players who, you know, it, we talked about Miguel Almiron earlier. I mean, the way he charges around the pitch, how, how you can do that consistently every three days it, and, and be as sharp as you were. Um, I just don't think it's humanly possible. Um, so, so yes, the, 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 there are mitigate, mitigating factors, as you say, but you don't get points for that. So he's got to find a solution, and I think it's it's finding that balance between the the defensive organisation that served them so well when he when he first came in, and then that that press that strangles teams. Now you're going to struggle to do that against Man City, but I thought. They defended really well for long periods and just got hit with that sucker punch at the at the death. But if you think back to the the Luton and Forest games in particular, they looked like a team that were just running through treacle. Uh, and and I understand that. Now I think there are fewer games in the second half. Of the city. Unfortunately, given that the competitions have gone out of, there are bigger gaps between games. So you would hope, particularly with players coming back, that there's more scope to uh, have fresher legs and also there's more time on the training pitch for them to address the technical issues that perhaps have, have, have hurt them in recent weeks. Do you think the fact that the club can't go out and strengthen this January and spend tens upon tens of millions of pounds and bring in the, you know, a superstar and the injuries that Eddie House had to deal with, does that protect them somewhat from the bad run of form they've been on and, and let's say if they do heaven forbid, go out of the cup and then lose to one of the, the next, I mean, Villa's next, obviously, but then you've got Luton Forest and, and um, Bournemouth coming up. Say that doesn't go to plan, does he have enough credit in the bank and then also them issues, them two main issues, that it gives him more, it protects him from the criticism that, that might come from above, um, it, whereas another manager who hasn't had that probably would be under a lot more scrutiny. I think there's an awareness that they're massively ahead of where they thought they might be. Uh, certainly, up until the last couple of months, they were. You know, nobody expected them to qualify for the Champions League last season. Um, I think 
you know, I, I think personally they would have taken a top top 10, top 8 finish last season and seen that as improvement. They did so well and they've increased expectation. They've been able to spend more heavily because of that expectation. So that there is a certain amount of scrutiny, but I think, yes, there, there is a lot of credit in the bank. I don't think there's any um, particular nervousness there at the moment because... They've still got a long way to go this season. You know, like I say, they could have an FA Cup run. You would expect them to start picking up. I know the next league game is is Villa away is a tough one, but then they've got Luton at home. You would expect they've got a, a run of fixtures that that ordinarily you would have said, yeah, they they can take a good amount of points from there. Um, but I think if if this this sort of run of poor results w- was to go on longer, then inevitably. You know, football managers live or die by the results. That there would be pressure on him, and I think Eddie Howe would accept that. It's his job to to win football matches, and if he's not, he would accept that that questions might be asked. Mm. And given all the years you've covered Newcastle United, is it slightly strange to be sitting here when you you look at the run of form they have been on? You know, eight out of the last ten they've lost, and there's not grumbles either on social media I know it wasn't it wasn't prominent back when you first started covering the club or you know out on the streets you know Eddie Howe is still very much liked he's got the backing of the fans or the majority of them he's got the backing of the owners as well and as Simon Bird mentioned on last week's podcast it's 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 not really a normal situation to a certain degree and, and Simon made the point that any other Newcastle United manager who'd been on this run of form probably would have been facing the calls uh, to, to be booted out. But oh. with Eddie Howe, he's got the back of, of, as I say, the majority of the fans and, and the ownership. No, well, that's right. And, and, he, and he's earned that. You know, I mean, he did came, he came, he came in on a wave of euphoria after the takeover. So he, he started from a, a good platform um, and then things didn't happen immediately and the turnover was, was gradual, wasn't it? Um, but I think the way... People can see that he's obviously a good coach. He and his coaching team obviously work well because the the play they've improved players who are already here immeasurably. Um, and then what happened last season was just ridiculous, actually. Um, and and what you what you would say as well that they perhaps last season everything went for them. You know they didn't have a great deal of of misfortune this season they've had misfortune everywhere whatever could go wrong has gone wrong for them um so and i think football fans aren't daft you know they, they want the team to win every week but they, they can see what we can see they can see the, how the injuries and and the financial situation have affected them and i think there's there's been a measured approach to that but you know i, I don't i think we, we've talked in the past about when a manager's popular he's that means perhaps he's got about six months more patience than one who isn't. <laughs> so he's, he's still, you know, for all, there's a lot of goodwill towards Eddie Howe, and rightly so. Um, if this was to go on much longer, then there might be dissenting voices. And, and he's not daft, he knows that. He's been in football long enough to, to know that. Mm. And like I said, I've said it for many, many weeks, I think once they start getting players back in, hopefully in addition this month, I can see them finishing the season quite strongly and maybe even um, sneaking into the, the, the top six and, and get some European football for next season. Um, I just want to quickly ask you then um, uh, about the season so far. I'm going to give you three questions and maybe you can come back at me with a name. Um, first off, who has been the surprise package for you from a Newcastle point of view? Which person is, 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 has, has leaped out uh, that you didn't expect? 
Oh, that's a good one. Um, I would I would have to say Jamal Lascelles. Um, I just, you know, I thought when when he first came into the team and the run of games they had coming up, you thought that's going to be a big test both for him and the defence as a unit. But I thought he was brilliant, and his attitude's always been brilliant. He's been, you know, he's been a leader from from virtually day one at the club, even when he came in as a young player. But I thought he was magnificent on the pitch as well. So, yeah, I I, I think he would be the standout for me. And what's been the moment do you think of the season so far? I mean, we've had Champions League football, uh, the win over PSG is probably I think the one many w- would pick. But is is there another moment, or is it that moment that springs to your mind? Yeah, do you, do you know what I think it would be? I mean, the shares goal. Just, just capped a ridiculous night. I mean, we were we were all sitting there, and it, it took me back to the, the Barcelona '97 game when they were three 0 up just after half time, and you think, is this really happening? But they were brilliant that night, and and that just capped it. You know, defenders striding forward, falling over, and still smashing it in the top corner. It was, uh, yeah, that was the atmosphere that night was was pretty special. I thought. Gary says the fan base were worried a bit when Botman got injured, but Lascelles did an amazing job, and I think many people would probably agree with your surprise package. Lewis Miley maybe another one that also gets yep. a shout. He's yeah, been yeah. Uh, being tremendous, and it'll be interesting to see what or how Miley develops when he's in a team um, where he hasn't got the expectation on him. You know, he's got you know senior players around him. So whether that is Joe Linton, Joe Willick, Tenari next season, and, and also when Newcastle are winning, it's a bit more positive in terms of the results. You you would suspect he'll probably. Go up a level as well. Without, I mean, it was, when I was seventeen, I was still at school. I mean, the, the kid can't buy a pint yet, you know. It's, it, and he's stepped into that white hot atmosphere, and I think he's done really well. There've been some games where he's found it difficult, but he's he's seventeen playing men's football. Um, I think uh, the, 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 what was the game? Was it the Chelsea game where he slides the ball through for Isaac to score? I mean, the kid's obviously got talent, and he's he's got vision and awareness, um, and. I, you know, I think he's he's come into a really difficult situation, but I th- I think he's done very very well, and yeah, I mean that can and I think in an ideal world, Eddie Howe would have liked to nurse him into the team, give him fifteen twenty minutes here and there, but he's had to throw him in at the deep end, and and the way he's reacted temperamentally, I think, gives you an indication of of how he will cope later because he's 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 not been bowed by it at all and he's he's you know he's he's taken it in his in his stride and dealt with it and I think that's a really good that that augurs really well for the future. Hmm. He's looked right at home hasn't he? Yeah. Um Niall says Cher's been amazing this season. Yes. Dang says we're amazing luck the season when we came fifth on the Pardew it was the same last season. We've run out of luck this season. Robbed against PSG bad luck in the Carabao Cup draw and Chelsea game. We just need to batten down the hatches and get to next season and start again, which is one approach, and I, I totally get where, where Dang is coming from there, but also, you know, you know Eddie Howe, Eddie Howe is not going to just be looking ahead to the to the start of next season, he no. knows there's points to be played, and it, it, things do seem a little bit gloomy, but I think they're only six points off sixth, so the season by no means is written off. No, it's not, and I, th- I think as well, at the, in the summer when you know, people ask me, you know, what do you think would be a good season this season? I've got to be perfectly honest with with the demands of Europe and the squad they had, and this was before they got all the injuries. In my head, top eight finish and a good showing in Europe, I thought would have been a good good return, given the, the, the lack of depth in the squad and the lack of European experience. Now, they, far from disgraced themselves in Europe, I thought they, they competed really well, very 
unlucky not to progress and very unlucky not to progress in the Champions League. So I think you'd have to say for all that was a disappointment, it's it's taken them up another rung or two. People know who they are. They know they can compete in Europe. Um, and, you know, the league campaign was always going to be difficult. It's been made vastly more difficult by the uh, the injuries they've had. So I I think, you know... You mentioned top six finish. I think that would be a brilliant return. Uh, I think because there is no European football now, there's no League Cup, which was very disappointing. They'd be playing Middlesbrough tomorrow night if, uh, if, if, but for that, you know, that error at the end of that game, um, that they have a chance now to to go for the second half of the season, um, and and really give it give it everything. And uh, you, you wouldn't write them off, given what they've done. Since Eddie Howe came in, you wouldn't write them off, putting on a, a, a you know second half charge. Fingers crossed that does occur. Uh, Northumberland Jory says Gordon has been my standout player, and funnily enough, that is the, uh, the, the the next question I want to ask you: which player has impressed you the most? Is it Anthony Gordon? Do you know what it would be a toss up between he he and Isaac um, because I think they've both been been great. Um, and and I mean the goals, the respective goals they scored against Manchester City were just absolutely top draw. But yeah, I think Anthony Gordon's been great. I, I, I love his enthusiasm and he he irritates people. They don't like playing against him. He's he's horrible to play against. Um, no, I think he's been really excellent. And it, it, he's just a kid. You know, he's got so much time to to improve and hone his game. But I think he's been great. But I just I think Isaac's got. A ridiculous touch for a for a big man, and um, actually, I, I think he terrifies defenders. Um, so uh, yeah, I w- it would it would be a toss up between the two of them for me. Yeah, that two have been absolutely brilliant. Before we finish off on the weekly trivia, I just want to ask you then: What is your prediction for the rest of the month? Is it Kieran Trippier and Callum Wilson to remain, and and, and maybe Callum Phillips coming in alone, or at least one person coming in alone, or how are you how are you seeing the month end? Um, if I were a betting man, I would say that Trippier and Wilson stay, but I also don't see Calvin Phillips. I, I just I don't think they will do the deal at, at that price um, uh, but I do think they will bring in a loan signing um, but then again there are so many balls up in the air and we don't know about most of them mm, yeah I mean you can <laughs> see just this weekend how things um, can quickly change it's going to be an interesting uh, window we've got our transfer live blog running on chroniclelive.co.uk where you get everything the rumours the concrete stories so head over to there and follow that. Right, time for the trivia. Uh, Birdie didn't do too badly last week. All right. Um, and again, this is one where I've, I've picked it, and you, sh- I mean, you've been here for every single one of I'm these. I'm very answers. old, though. I've got oh, a bad I'll say memory. that actually. Two seconds. One of them, um, one of them was 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 before your time, but you know, it's it's well known. So, I've got here the list of uh, Newcastle's um, most expensive January exits. Oof. Annoyingly, it is in uh, euros, but and I haven't uh, uh, thingied them. But you know, the, 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 they'll they'll remain the same answers. Um, so we can do this any way you like. You can go from um, bottom to top, or you can just shout out some names and see if they're on the list. January exits. Dear me. Um. So the latest one um, will have been uh, ninety four, ninety five. 
uh, latest one in this top 10 list. Um, or yeah, and the, 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 the most recent one would have been last January, according to this list. Well, did Shea Given go in, in January? He did. Yeah. Would you like to place a number on where he is in the top oh. 10? So he went to Manchester City in 08 09. Give you the figure, it's, so it's nine million euros on this list. Right. And I haven't moved it over a pounds, but nine million euros. Oh, dear me. I'm rubbish on this. Um I would guess he's gonna be fairly near the top. Um I'm trying to think who else has gone. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you given, and then we'll, that might help you on your way. So he's fourth in this list. Fourth. So right. he's fourth, um, and we'll we'll give you some clues as well. We've right. got um, so number ten on this list um, is a, a French defender who left to go to Paris to go to PSG in two thousand two thousand and one. That was under Was that Alan Goma? No. No. Oh. No, Distan didn't go there, did he? Um, Didier Domi is that uh, one. Ah, right, right, yeah. Number nine on the list. You've mentioned him actually in this podcast. You have mentioned him in our discussions about defensive midfielders. Um, he left in 98-99. So he should have been nothing working the patch at that point. Yeah. He'd have to yeah. go to Leeds United. The Batty go back, yeah. David Batty. Batty. David Batty's yeah. number nine on the list. Yeah. You then got um, a chap who um, went to Wigan. Yeah. Is that Charles and Zog? Charles number eight. Now, number seven here, this is last January, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Transfer Market the benefit of the doubt on this one, but um, a midfielder known for his long, his long balls... But also people question his work rate slightly. This move has not gone to plan whatsoever. In fact, I think he's actually out on loan now. Last January? He left last January. It was one of these he didn't expect and he knocked on the door and said, I'm, I, 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 I want to go and get first team football. Two of them went to the same club. <laughs> John, John Joe Shelby. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he went last January. He's number seven on the list. Then you've got um, a defender who... When people talk about what could have been, this this chap for me is always high on the list. He arrived as uh, I think it was he was he was either a captain of a league winning side or cut winning side over in France. He played under Alan Pardew and, and and played often out of position. He then left to go to Roma. Two thousand fourteen fifteen. It wasn't Lejeune, was it? No, no. Um, oh, yes, I know what you mean. Hyphenated name. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yanga. Uh, yeah, Mbia, yeah. Yanga Mbia. So he left uh, to go to Roma. He's number six on the list. Then you've got a striker who is often talked about as one of the finest strikers the club has ever seen. He left to go to Chelsea, 2012-13. Denver Bar. Denver Bar, number fifth on the list. Then you've got Given, number three. I just have to mention the word steps, and you probably should spring to mind. This is the one when we're talking about selling your biggest stars unexpectedly. The manager has to go out and explain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Andy Cole. Andy yeah. Cole to Manchester United, third on the list. Number two um, is a man who left to go to PSG. 
he initially tried to force a move, he went on strike. Correct. One of Newcastle's best players for me, Johan Kabai. Johan Kabai. And the number one, again, one that was totally unexpected and came very late in the window. If I'm not mistaken, I'm sure someone at Newcastle went on the record to say he would not be sold. Yeah. And then he Andy went down Carroll. to the Merseyside. And the answer is Andy Carroll. So yeah. there you go, ladies yeah. and gents. The top 10 list of Newcastle's most expensive January exits, starting with Didier Domi, David Batty, Charles and Zogbier, John Joe Shelby, Yanga and Buya, Denver Bar, Shea Given, Andy Cole, Yuan Goodbye, and Andy Carroll is number one on the list. Uh, thank you very much for playing along there. A lot of people getting Shelby. Um, Bassi Das was one uh, bet there. No, Andy Carroll, Denver Bar. You guys actually did remarkably well. Better in than that. me. Better than Damien. <laughs> um, but there's always next time, Damien. Thank you very much for putting on to the podcast. I hope you've welcome. enjoyed it. Uh, to you guys watching this and head over to chroniclelive.co.uk and as I say follow the dedicated daily transfer live blog it's well worth follow bookmark it everything you need to know about the rest of the window will be in there uh, for myself I'll see you very soon mm-hmm.